Welcome to Converge Coffee with Sean Sullivan. I'm here with Mike Seidel. He is the COO and co-founder of Work Here. Mike has split his career between sales, marketing, and building software. Prior to building Work Here, he founded Indie Associates, Virtual Payment Systems, and Professional Blog Service. He also served as the Director of Development for Direct Employers Association, where he helped architect the National Labor Exchange and served on the board of directors for the HR Open Standards Consortium. Work Here is the first mobile job app that pulls the full power of your smartphone or tablet to work, finding nearby places to work. Uh, it works on the web, and so you can find jobs on your laptop or desktop computer, too. It literally is a GPS-powered job search. makes it easy for to find opportunities near where their, where their phone is. And here's Mike Seidel. How's it going today, Mike? Pretty good, Sean. It's good to, good to see you again. And, uh, you know, one thing that, that your listeners might not know is you actually were part of our team work here for a while. And it was, uh, it was awesome. Yeah. I'm, I'm really glad to see you doing what you're doing now. Um, and, uh, we, we, there are days where we sorely miss having you on our team. I was like the makeshift marketing guy. If development couldn't make it, I tried to make it on the outside. <laughs> that, that's really important. You know, if, if you're a true, a true startup, there's a lot of things that go on where you've got to improvise. You've got to test things. And, and one of the, the things that was really exciting about having you on the team is we were going through this great period of experimentation and figuring out what worked and what didn't work. And then we had days where we'd come in and go, we're going to try something that is 180 degrees out of phase with what we were doing yesterday. And what was so cool was the fact that you would come in and, and be okay with that and make the change. And I think uh, a lot of the times it worked out. And then occasionally one, but you know, that's part of the thing here. You're trying to learn what works, what doesn't. Yep. You win as much when you find out what doesn't work as when you find out what does. I think that's the first question of just going in is how does, how does somebody start marketing a start, like start marketing their startup initially? Like it's, it's, and a lot of people just think it's, oh, it, you know, you already got your market, you already got everything in place, but it's so chaotic though. Well, there's, uh, if you really boil marketing down to, to what it really is in its essence, there's really only two rules. And um, they're not very hard. The first rule is do something. And so when you're in a startup mode, the first thing you have to do, right and wrong, you may have the right idea, you may have the total wrong direction, it, it may be um, a right idea dressed up very badly, whatever, but you've got to do something. And it's amazing just the power of getting out there and doing something. Because what most people realize is when you do nothing, nobody knows about you. Nobody hears about you. You start doing something, it makes noise, it makes ripples in the marketplace, things start happening. The second rule of marketing is do it better next time. And so if you're really looking at how you market a startup, well, um, get that first email out. And if it has a typo in it, don't have the typo in it next time. But don't be afraid to market just because you're trying to get things perfect. You'll be waiting a long time to be perfect. Exactly. And and we ran into that a lot. I think we ran into that with an automation tool that sent out an email to people and links didn't work. But the funny thing was people came back to us saying, hey, the links don't work. <laughs> yeah, they did. And uh, we actually got some customers from that and we got a lot of users and um, a lot of egg on our face. But you know what? Uh, it, it was a winning move. And that's why I think a lot of people don't realize. I mean, you go back, I've been in the advertising market a long time. And I mean, even back, one of the best marketing pieces we ever did was another accident like that 
one, this is way back in the fax era, we sent a fax out to about 40,000 businesses that was just the logo of our company with nothing else. And we got so many phone calls on that where people were like, what is this about? So we kind of came up with a little bit of a script for how to handle the call. And we ended up generating quite a few leads. So it, it, the thing that people forget is that if you're not attracting any attention to, to your business, nobody's going, to, nobody's going to go out of their way to find you. You have to be out there visible. And so even if, even if you don't do it perfectly, it'll work out and you're going to do it again. And it only takes a week or two for people to forget about the type of an email or, a, you know, a botched send like we had. Um, and, and the reality of it is uh, I'm trying to think of what bad came out of that botched send. And, and the reality was we, we made money and we got users and uh, it was all good. It's a positive ROI at the end of the day. I mean, yeah, it is uh, a little embarrassing, but but you know what? I'd rather be a little embarrassed and succeeding in business than I would be afraid of being embarrassed and have a big zero on my balance sheet. True. I mean, people—it's it's a people-to-people business Absolutely. and everything. And um, I've learned from that. But I think a few months ago, which was kind of funny, like the people-to-people business, mm-hmm. we were talking about chatbots. Yeah. And I wanted, to, and I want you to kind of give a little back, backdrop on that, as well as um, some successes or what, yeah, what's yeah, developed yeah. from that. So, so one of the big changes in, in, over over the years, the two years we've been doing work here, we started off. Uh, very, very much passive. You know, we were advertising like a, almost like a job we're doing over out there, advertising, you know, find jobs in different places. We get people to come into our app, they sign up for the app, and then we count on them to direct themselves to the right employer and, and make the connections on their own. And we uh, we started really being active with people. So we talked a lot. We, we actually have a team of people that talk to, uh, that talk to job seekers because uh, mainly nobody does that. And we're able to direct a lot more people to our employers that way. But the thing that's really amazing is uh, people like to talk to people a lot. Um, there are places where bots and AI seem to work, um, but they don't work well for everything. So we, we use them kind of where we need them, and then we use people for everything else. And it's, it's actually been quite well for us. We've picked up a couple of really big accounts, and this is the first time I've really told anybody this. But... Uh, we picked up um, a couple of really major gig economy players. One of them uh, is Uber, and we're marketing their you know, drive-through for all over the country, and, and we're fueling that growth by really driving people in and talking to them and helping them understand what the opportunity really is, and then they're choosing to go sign up for that. So it's, it's a very different um, kind of thing, but what we want is active conversations and active active engagement with people really make a big difference. And, and a lot of the stuff that we, we have going on the internet is very passive in nature. And uh, the conversion rates on active stuff are much, much higher than active. Oh, definitely, definitely. And I think you brought up something that was really interesting with um, talking and guiding people through a process. Like that's why Google still has a service call line <laughs> for some of their stuff because people get frustrated and they're like, I just need to talk to someone. I think there's a level of, of that that's out there. If you have a really, really good service that people can operate on and don't need to talk to people, I think there's a level, a great level of value to that. And, and so we're pick on Google. They've done a really good job of making products that you mostly don't have to talk to anybody to operate. And that's 
that's something like every startup, back to startups, every startup there is thinks they can make a product that's that's that smooth. And then the reality of it is, uh, how many billions of dollars has Google been through to get where they're at? How many years have they been through too? Yeah, the experience, it's money, it's oh yeah. And, and so we all look at these these like products that, that people have uh, probably spent a hundred times more than your startup has raised, and go, you know, why why aren't we there yet? And then the reality of it is that it just takes time and money to get there. And, and so until you get there, the quality of the service that you deliver really matters. It's if you um, want to make people happy, you know, you, you actually have to talk to them to make them happy. I guess it's kind of a good way to look at it. It's hard to know if somebody's happy or not without talking to them. Definitely. Going off from yeah. online to offline, yeah. um, I know that um, – Back in the, my work here days, yeah, that um, a lot of the successes that I've noticed, especially with um, relationship building, was partnerships. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you can shine any light on that going oh, <laughs> going, well, going from chatbots to partnerships. Now well, you know chatbots. Actually, still finishing thought on chatbots. Um, we we started talking to a lot of people. We started off with the chatbot. We actually had to fire it. So somewhere there's a, an angry AI out there because we fired him. You know, one day my, my GPS will tell me to turn left into the lake or something. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, the uh, you, if we're going to go back to you not know, really thinking about partnerships and, and why those are important, um, a couple of reasons. One is we don't work here early on. We really lean on our partners to help us be researched for developing the product. So we were testing, you know, a lot of this you know, early on when we go to job fairs and, and stuff like that, just to see how job seekers would respond to to the app. And then we'd go show whoever was hosting the job fair, here's what we've got, what do you think? And they would give us feedback to tell us how to make the app more useful or better. And then we uh, we go with some of most of the advice we got and improve the product that way. And then as we got a little bigger, the partners we had really were helpful, um, you know, opening doors to new customers. And helping us find new ways to get to users. Uh, you know, we went and worked with the career development team at Ivy Tech, and that, that relationship uh, was really, really helpful because we were able to get a lot of Ivy Tech students wanted to work here early on. They helped us really inform us and guide us in how to make that product better. Uh, we did uh, one of the first groups we ever showed work here to was Play Indie. And uh, this is before I even knew We went into uh, meet with them, and uh, at the time, work here would only work off of my laptop, hooked up to your phone with the USB cable because it had to pull the data off the laptop. And so we kind of showed them the primitive, barely working work here, and they really liked the direction that we had. They, they thought it was something that was going to be useful. They, they got the idea of, of location is really important to people. So... They, they continued to help guide us and inform us. And then as we grew up, they became actually, they, they ran into a problem where they needed a back end for their summer jobs program for Indianapolis Youth called Project Indy. And they came to us and asked, would you guys look at maybe using work here to be the back end for that? So we went and looked at it and we did it. And uh, I don't know, in the intervening three or four months after that, we had about 4,000 kids sign up. I think it was 3,800 was the actual number. Um, and by the end of the program, out of 300, 2,000 of those kids had actually found jobs. And so it was a resounding success for everybody involved. 
mean, the majority again this year, um, we're actually ahead by almost a thousand, a thousand signups on the program. And we're much, much better. You know, the first year we were there, we weren't nearly as good at connecting people to employers as we are now. And so the success rate of the program is, is much higher this year. And, uh, we're, we're moving a lot of young people age 16 to 24 into their, their first or second job. So it's, it's been a lot of fun. That's awesome. And a thousand more signups than <laughs> a year ago. Yeah, a year ago. I mean, year to date, right now, we're by almost a thousand, a thousand people. It's not even the summer yet. It's not even no, close it's, to their, not, not even close to the deadline yet. No, it's not. The other thing interesting. It's spring break hit this week. And so we had a slow week and we're still ahead. So cross our fingers that that keeps going. But, um, it really pays to pay attention to partners when you're early on that uh, they can really open doors. And there's one caution I have with partnerships. You got to be careful about who you partner with and make sure it's one where they're not just going to leach you for your, all of your leads or leach you uh, for opportunity and then never be any kind of payback for that. Um, you enter into partnerships, you got to make sure there's some value on both sides before you, before you do the deal. Yeah, I, I know you've seen a few things like that. Go sideways. Oh, definitely. Yes, definitely. You, you've mentioned um, something very clear, and uh, in that you're you're connecting people with jobs and literally doing that using the app mm-hmm. more so now than passively. How has work here changed in the last year with the marketing, with the direction, with the branding, with the with the approach? Well, we got, I think one thing work here we got really lucky on early on is that we found I think a really really good functional name. Like the name work here has been fantastic uh, for us. And we started off we, we we kind of thought oh we gotta have a tagline so we came up with find jobs gal and that worked pretty well um, in 2016. Um, but as unemployment changed and then we're in this new market where we've got basically. Um, you know, 3.6%, 3.7% unemployment. So at full employment, most people aren't as interested in just finding a job. Now the challenge for most people is I want to find a better job that's closer to home. And uh, what's interesting is we've kind of stopped using taglines and all that, just decided our identity work here explains that pretty clearly. And then, uh, you know, a lot of the, the copy that we're writing out we're talking about better jobs close to home, how much working from closer to home will improve the quality of your life. Why are you driving by the same job that you're, uh, why are you driving from Muncie to Indianapolis for the job that you can have in Muncie? Um, and, and a lot of things are really kind of kind of obvious when you think about what people do these days to get to work, but we're starting to talk about those things. And what's really remarkable is it works. We get a lot of people that think, why well, I couldn't be working you know, I live up in Noblesville. I could be just working in Noblesville. I don't have to drive to Greenwood. So we're, we're seeing a lot of traction with that. Um, on the employer side, we've uh, really, really started focusing on uh, charge. We, we charge a success fee. We charge per candidate. Now, whereas before we were just trying to do kind of a one-size-fits-all price, the reason we started doing it for candidates allows us to do a much better job for the employer, and it aligns us exactly with what those employers want. So that makes a big difference. So you go back to marketing, pricing is a pretty important part of the whole thing. So we're able to go in and we get you better jobs, that better people that live closer to work they are going to be less likely to turn over. And, um, you know, you're not going to just pay big dollars for nothing. We're going to make sure we're delivering for you and we're going to, you're going to pay us when we're successful. 
And that, that has been very attractive. And you, you hit on a good point, kind of caveat into something. Uh, in yeah. the past episode, I met with and spoke with Brett Shop over at KSM Consulting. Yeah. We talked about employer branding. And um, we were talking about how employer branding on social allows to open up to knowing what you're going to expect in the interview process. And I feel like a lot of companies mm-hmm. don't do that. They don't interview. They don't, they don't market their jobs. Well, they don't market themselves. Well, How, do you have any advice for them? On wow. That stuff? Wow. That I can spend, we could like spend like a week on this topic, but, um, so what most people don't understand about their brand is that you, you have your company's brand, and, and most companies actually have a pretty good brand where they, they've invested in a lot in building that. And, and, you know, they've, they've been very careful to protect the reputation and, uh, and all that. And that's what they look like to their buyers. To, you know, if you're a consumer products company, you know, if you're Coke, everybody knows, you know, everybody when they see Coke, they feel a little happy inside because they've seen all your polar bears and songs about peace and love and all that over the years, Santa Claus. Um, so you have a really good brand. A lot of companies, what they don't know is that their employment, their employment brand is not very good. And, and so you end up in a situation where um, your brand sells to consumers or sells to businesses, but workers don't know who you are. And if they do know you, they may have a very different impression of your company than you think they do. And I think a lot of people discover this. They go to a rating site like Glassdoor, and they're like, "Why do we have a three-star rating on Glassdoor?" And then they start reading the ratings, and it's everybody they've ever fired and, and dumped on Friday afternoon has come back to bite them. <laughs> but the, the, the reality of this is, as a player, you have a different brand than the, work, the, the workers out there see. And if you spend time investing in that, a good employment brand will make it cost less to hire people. It means you'll have to go from fewer candidates to find a good one because good people will want to work for you. We see it with work here. If we have an employer that has a great employment brand, sometimes we, we can, uh, well, we do see sometimes four or five times more responses to the advertising that we do um, because of that employment brand. Real challenge, especially for companies right into here in Indiana, and especially for startups and even a lot of software service companies, is that nobody knows who they are yet. And so you you have to have a brand, have an employment brand. And so, um, you know, I ran into one last week. It's a billion dollar manufacturer up in northern, northern Indiana. Billion dollar company, huge company. Nobody knows who they are, nobody has an idea what their brand is let alone their employment brand. And so they've got a real challenge. They can't advertise. If they advertise themselves, it doesn't do anything. It doesn't help. And so we have to use different strategies for marketing companies that don't have solid brands, um, solid employment brands. It makes a big difference. So pay attention to that. Yeah. Um, we're going to switch up the segment a little bit. Um, some offline background of what work here is doing that you haven't posted online. Any success stories that you want to you want to share? I mean, we talked about the automation thing, but I think more of a success. <laughs> oh yeah, well, well, the big the big change uh, over the last year, we really spent a lot of our effort last year, um, and we actually totally rebuilt our, our company around this. Was that we wanted to be sure that we were delivering candidates to the employers. If you look at what we do at work here, you know, our value proposition relative to the employer is better 
you know, better candidates that live closer to work. And what we felt like is that we weren't getting enough candidates in early last year and through the summer last year. And we started really looking at how do we make this thing work so that when we're working with a customer that we're delivering a flood of candidates that they can hire. And uh, so we took our, our click to candidate ratio, the, you know, the number of people that click on some ad and get some into work here to actually deliver to an employer. We went from two or three percent to 2.8 percent. All the way where, where we're at now is 38 percent of the people that start a work here session end up connected with an employer. That's an amazing number. So we're awesome. really, really <laughs> happy with that. And, and uh, what that leads to is, is now as we're bringing on clients, um, A, we have this level of confidence that we're going we're gonna to deliver the goods. And um, it really allows us, instead of worrying about just doing a good enough job, staying in an account, we're, we're now starting to worry about how do we make sure all of our customers are really happy. And I, I think this is something that marketers hear a lot, like that your happiness. And everybody um, goes, okay, yawn, roll eyes. I've heard happiness before. Everybody's trying to do that. Well, there's a reason everybody goes for happiness. If you can make happy customers, they go get more customers for you. Um, they pay more for your services. Um, there's a lot of things that are really good that happens when you have happy customers. The problem is making people happy is not easy. And so we all want to look for some other emotion to kind of map our business into. And uh, so one of the big things for work here is we've been really able to focus on, uh, you know, how do we deliver a high level of, of not just satisfaction, but happiness to the companies that are using our product and, and look at our, our people that are looking for work. Um, this is a big change too. The people that are looking for work, working with us. Um, one of the challenges in the job business is that, no matter how good you are at being a job board or being an aggregator or being a social network like LinkedIn, you're hooked up to a hiring process. And Sean, how, how, how fun is going through a hiring process? It's not fun. You don't, I mean, there's multiple things you don't hear back. You get the generic, you know, message or you, you, you apply for this long email, like through the applicant tracking systems or ATS system, you apply and fill out all this information, spend hours and hours, and then it goes right in and it goes into a black hole. Yeah, yeah that, that's um, uh, so. So everybody in the job business suffers from hooking whatever this wonderful thing they built it up to to a really, really bad hiring process. And, you know, like you said, you know, it starts with um, nobody calls anybody back. Sherm says that seventy-three percent of employment inquiries never get a response. That's, that's like staggering. That's like if you were in the, on the marketing and sales side of the house, seventy-three percent of the leads went uncalled. That would be a crisis situation for that business, right? Mm -hmm. That's the norm over the recruiting side. Yeah. So, um, so everybody in the business suffers from this being hooked up to that. So our our, our users, you know, a year ago we were in. 3.2, 3.3, 3 3.5 star ratings pretty consistently on every platform we were on. Um, as we started really focusing on making these job seekers happy and, and uh, communicating actively with them and being, uh, being involved, we, we're now getting 4.8 
star ratings on every conversational channel that we're on. And, and so we're seeing this, this level of satisfaction that, that honestly, I didn't think was possible in the job search business. And, and the reason I think it was possible is just because we can build the most beautiful job search experience ever. And we got to hook it up to uh, somebody's applicant tracking system and deal with, you know, nobody getting called back. And then we get those big letters and all that. And honestly, it doesn't even have to be that way. No, it doesn't. It really doesn't. I mean, I think that's what um, a lot of people don't realize is recruiters and HR people are, are searching for these people and they just go that, that go that route and they think that's going to happen. Well, and then work here provides that connection to a, a live job seeker, to a live recruiter or a, a person who is hiring. That's what we try our, our best to do. And, and I'll tell you what, we're, we're in a new era in, in hiring. This is, um, you, you're, you're going to start hearing more and more about it, but we're, we're entering an era that's probably more for talent. Um, what's happened is the baby boomers have really retired. Um, we've uh, had a big change in Washington that has biased our government towards less immigration. And so what that's done is put pressure on the job market. And so right now, you know, Indiana's example is at statistically at full employment. Um, there's everybody who's wants a job, pretty much has one, except a very small number that lost their job last week and will find another job in the next week. So we're in this era where talent's really scarce and the companies that are going to do the best and are going to be the best companies five years from now are still in business 10 years from now are the ones that get really good at attracting, hiring, training, and retaining people. And right now, a lot of employers are still thinking we're in the middle of a recession and they're still worried about filtering every possible person they can filter out of the pipeline, out of the pipeline. They don't go very fast. A lot of companies think that you can wait three or four days to call candidates back. And in this market, um, if you call candidates back in a few hours, you need about one-third of the number of candidates to fill a job than you do if you call them back in a day. So the speed you call people back and engage and go out and interview, you get them in for the interview and they get them hired, makes a huge difference in the quality and quantity of, of talent that you can get. And it's not just at the, uh, the entry level of the market, it's the whole thing. Um, the faster you go, the more likely you are to get somebody to commit. If you wait, uh, remember it's you know, full employment and everybody's hiring. So it's really easy for people to go find another job somewhere else or another better opportunity. So speed is the speed is really, really important. And uh, so, you know, this, you know, you look at marketing in general, the lead generation side of house and sales. I mean, what's the one thing that, that if I get a lead, what's the one thing that's most likely to determine if that's going to close or not? How fast you call the lead, how fast you communicate. I get a lead and I call them back within 10 minutes, I'm better off than if I call them back in an hour. And if I call them in an hour, I'm way better off than if I call them tomorrow, right? It's no different with hiring. Definitely. Well, thank you for sharing that about, we've gone from <laughs> chat bots to um, two rules of marketing to brand to um, just the workforce, I think, development or the workforce itself. Um, now we're on to the segment where um, I ask um, each guest three questions. 
Um, first question is, um, what do you do to live? Like get money. Obviously, you're the COO, co-founder of work here. You you do other ventures too. Um, if you want to ex- explain that, I'll hold off the two on the two questions. Or you can explain that a little well, more. Um, you know, if you're you're lucky with a startup, you get it to the point that it's either funded well enough or making enough money that you can you can get paid out of that business. And I'm fortunate with work here that we were able to raise enough money and have enough revenue that I can I can get paid by the business. Um, but I've gone through times in my life where uh, I'm starting something up in the way that I live as I go to uh, oh man, I've probably built 15, 16 websites to you know, just pay to survive while I work on something else. Um, so, uh, you know, I don't know, I don't know the main rule is make sure you make your mortgage and make sure that you're uh, making your car payment. So you, uh, when you want to go get the customer, the car's still in your driveway, right? Exactly. <laughs> Probably important. But uh, there's no hard fast rule to have to survive. I personally, I make most of my money uh, from income from work here and my other company, virtual payment systems. Is a little credit card processor that focuses on law firms. So, second question is, what do you do creatively that you bring back to work, and what do you do in life? Um, wow, that's a good question. Um, <laughs> that's a really good question. Um, so, I'm, I'm fortunate enough that I have um, I have five kids, um, and they keep me really, really busy. And one of the places that I find a lot of inspiration uh, is is in a lot of the things that my kids are doing and a lot of the interaction I have with them. Um, there is no perspective on the world like an eight-year-old um, or a 12-year-old. that They see the world totally different. And if you take time to listen to young people, you can find, uh, you, you will see, see the world a totally different way than you do at age 25 or 30 or 40 or 50. You, you really, it's, it's pretty remarkable. And, and you realize that the world's going to be in pretty good hands. But, oh man, what, if you look at what the, you know, my eight-year-old son is into compared to what I was into at age eight, probably compared to what you were into at age eight, mainly because YouTube did not exist for you at age eight. True, very true. Uh, it's it's just remarkable. Every everything is different. They they don't watch the same kinds of like you know look at shows they watch. Um, it's almost all exclusively YouTube stuff. That honestly, the kind of that kind of programming did not even exist five years ago. Um, so yeah, I get a lot of inspiration from from being a being a dad. It's good. It's a lot of fun. That's awesome. And and. Appreciate, I appreciate you, you, you sharing that. Um, the last thing, the last question I always ask people mm-hmm. is, what do you do health-wise? Because a lot of people, I think, and this can be health, physical, yeah. mental, whatever, but I think a lot of people don't realize, they see the tip of the iceberg and they see the, the, the successes, but they don't see everything that builds up under the water. Oh, man. Um, there is uh, – it, it, Starting starting businesses is stressful as, as hell. It's, it's it's really stressful. Um, there's a lot of really tough decisions that get made. There's a lot of really 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 big uncertainty that you have to just be okay with. Um, and I think that's at least for me the way I deal with a lot of that. And again, I, I'm very fortunate that 
I've got a, a big family and I've got, you know, I've got my five kids. My wife is, you know, my wife Claudia has been just fantastic. And, uh, you know, if I can imagine a perfect wife to have for an entrepreneur who could put up with the crazy stuff and, uh, uh are we going to be able to go on vacation in two months? Uh, I don't know. She's been able to deal with that stuff and, and help me uh, not make that worse. Um, and it's just been a, a huge benefit to me. So, you know, I, I would say spend a little time on that. Really think about who is in your life and is really supporting you. And if you've got a lot of people that are uh, naysayers and probably negative, um, those, those people really can drag you down, especially if you're out there and like work here. If, if I had a buck for everybody that says that said, told me that idea was crazy or would never work, um, it, it probably would add up to several million dollars. But at the end of the day, um, it doesn't matter what everybody else thinks. What matters is, you know, hey, does this thing work? And are we paying attention, listening, and making it better? Making it, making it so it is valuable. So, you know, that's that's my big thing is just going to make sure people around me are really solid and positive and supporting me. And I want people to tell me the truth. I like the truth, even if it's bad for me or it doesn't make makes me uncomfortable. And a lot of people told me I did, you know, this I messed something up. But what I really don't like are just constant streams of negativity that, that just no matter what you do, it can't be good enough. No matter what you do, it'll never work. And that kind of thing. I'm not really takes a toll on you. Yeah. And thank you for that. I actually did not know that when we were working together about um, just to, to surround yourself with good people. And I was glad I was part of that. Well, <laughs> I was, you know, one thing with work here that we've been very fortunate on and a lot of it has to do with, if you look at our mission of connecting, connecting people with really meaningful work and life relationships. Um, we do a lot of good we're out there, you know, the reason I, I go to work isn't because I, I want to make a lot of money. That's not the motivator for working. The motivator really is uh, I wanted to build something that would change lives for people that uh, I think have been kind of forgotten. A lot of people that are, you know, working uh, service economy jobs and wage earning jobs where the wages haven't gone up since the late 80s. Um, and I felt like if we built something that gave them access to a better job market, that they'd be able to move up, they'd be able to find better jobs, they'd be able to stop driving two hours every day and get to a decent at best job. And maybe they could find two more hours in their day instead of training to run a 5K, they can do marathons, or you know, if they want, instead of plucking around a guitar, they have time to be in a band, uh, maybe start a side hustle or a side gig and make some money. But I knew, I knew if we could give somebody, give those tools to people, it would help. And, and that's really the driver with this has been, you know, let's help people. Um, and we've been fortunate that a lot of people lock into that mission and really like helping people uh, in life. And that's been, uh, I mean, that's been why we've attracted really good people. And, and I think you were uh, hire number two for us. What was it, number three? Number, no, number three. You were not. Two developers and then, no, four. You were number four. You were, yeah, we hired two developers first. Uh, and then a salesperson and then. Yeah, and, and honestly, just um, the thing that's been really cool is that the people that we hired all really locked into that mission. And we, we, I think, all did a lot of things that we ordinarily wouldn't do because we're trying to help people. And 
that that's really powerful. I mean, that's it's fun to have a mission like that. It certainly is a lot better than ideating to find a way to sell twenty percent more socks next month. Oh my gosh, <laughs> that is true. <laughs> Well, Mike, um, I really appreciate being on this episode. I think the, uh, the Converge Coffee drinkers would um, love your insight, uh, not only with marketing and jobs, but also getting to know you more about, you know, what it actually, what's your passions, what, like in life, what actually matters. So I really appreciate it. Well, thank you. Thank you, John. I'm a big fan of what you're doing. And, uh, I'm, I'm uh, looking forward to lots of great things in the future with you. Okay. Thank you very much. Thank you.